It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello and welcome to the 1871 podcast. And before I introduce tonight's special guest, this is just to let you know that our guest tomorrow is Tom Williams from Proud Royals. And then on Friday's episode, we'll be looking ahead to the Legends game on Saturday. And actually, our special guest tonight might be playing in that game. So we're going to talk to him about that a bit later. But now it's um, time to introduce our special guest, former Royal striker, Simon Cox. So welcome to the show, Simon. How are you? I'm very well. Thanks for having me. No, you're very welcome. And um, thank you ever so much for joining us. Um, We usually talk to our guests first about their time at Reading, and then we ask them what they make of the current situation at Reading. But if it's all right with you, we're going to do it the other way round. (laughs) Um, and I just mentioned there about the Legends game on Saturday, and we'll be doing a preview to that. Um, and you might be playing in that game, but um, uh, you might be playing actually for the for the 106 side because you were you had two spells at Reading. That was your first spell. Um, what what are the chances of us seeing you play in that game? Yeah, I've been asked to bring my boots, so uh, <laughs> we'll see. Um, <laughs> now, nah, listen, I was I was happy to to get a call. Um, originally I said no because I felt like I didn't play a significant part in the in the 106 team but um, on reflection it it probably isn't about how much you played I think it was I think it's more about the celebration and being part of the day and and I think it's something not to be missed uh, an opportunity so I'll uh, you know I'll come down I'll be part of the the whole spectacle of the game, which is, you know, a, a really good occasion. So I'll, uh, I'll be down there. Um, how much I play, I don't know um, whether I've been called upon because some of the lads are getting on a little bit or not. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it, it'll be a good day. Um, and, and in terms of um, which side you, you could play for, I mean, you actually then played for Reading after um, the, the 2012 team, didn't you? So kind of in theory, you, you could play for both teams. You could sort of play for the 106 team and then come on for the for the Brian. Yeah, but don't give them ideas. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, don't know, I don't know if my legs would carry me that, that far. Um, so you can score yeah, for I, both I, teams. Score for both teams. Yeah, well, 
that would be yeah, that would be ideal. But no, I, I didn't I didn't play in the the 2011-12 season, so I wasn't at the club at that stage. So I think if I was going to play for anyone, it would be the 106 team. But uh, probably about the amount of time I play in this game would be the amount of time I played in the 106 season. So uh, hopefully, depending on what uh, depending on what the other lads um, are able to do, I guess. Um, and in terms of who's going to win, we we spoke to Kevin Doyle. Um, he, I saw that. He, yeah, he thinks that the um, the Brian McDermott team with the younger legs yeah. um, might have the advantage. But obviously, your you know, if you do play, you'll be with a one hundred and six team. Who's your Who's your money on? Uh, I don't know. I think uh, it'll be it'll be a good day. I just think it'll be. Sometimes you can't be experienced, but. Legs, legs seem to prevail in these kind of games just purely and simply. One, it, I'm guessing it'll be a nice day as well. So heat might play a part for the uh, the older lads, but um, I, I think it'll be a nice one for the 106 team to win. Good. So that's one one each. So um, that that'd be interesting. It could could be a few goals. I was going to say, yeah, could it? It could end up a draw about eight each. Yeah, <laughs> and mate, be nice to, to get one from from you. As well, yeah. I listen. If I if I do end up coming onto the pitch, I you know it'd be a nice thing for me and just to be back at Reading again and and be part of the celebration. I think it'd be nice and to cap it off with a goal would be lovely. All right, and um, on Monday, Simon, we had the announcement, of course, that Paul Lintz is confirmed as the new Royals manager, Alex Ray assistant manager, and Mark Bowen back at the club as director of football. Let's start with. Mark Bowen and that appointment. What do you make of his appointment as director of football? I think it's one that the football club needs. Um, it, it shows a little bit of direction. Um, he he's coming in with the the idea that he has full control of the running of the football club in terms of the playing side now. Uh, who who he's able to bring in um, as long as he and Paul Lintz sit down and they are able to draw up a list of players that they feel would be benefit beneficial for the football club, then it's now down to Mark Bowen to to make sure the owners have got the the funds available to go out and, and get those players. Um, I think it's a position that the football club have been lacking in probably ever since Nicky Hammond left it. Um, and I know Brian Trevedon came in and um, and sort of did it under the Yapstam Yap era. Um but took it in a little bit of a different direction, a lot of foreign players coming in. Um, but now I think with Mark Bowen being part of the the director of football role, but he's obviously managed the football club as well. So he's seen it from both sides. He's seen it from the dugout and now he's going to be able to see it from, from up above. So I think it's a really you know shrewd appointment um, and one that I think most people would be glad that he's got it done very, very quickly in the window so he can now get to work on it. Um, and what about Paul Ince? Obviously, came in, kept reading up. Um, been quite a bit of criticism, criticism aimed at him. You know, didn't didn't win too many games. But what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I was on Radio Berkshire, and they they said to me that he'd won four games out of his his time at the club, and but ultimately, those four points, uh, those four wins, um, kept running in the league, and that was what he was tasked with doing. So it was. It would. I mean, I was one of the people who were very crit- critical of him coming in as well. So, but the fact that he got ready to stay in the Premier League, um, 
I feel like he is deserving of a chance now. It's what he does in his, you know, this off season, pre season, and leading up to the next season is what uh, he'll be judged on more than than what he did this year. And, and and we ought to be clear: a lot of the criticism actually wasn't really aimed at him directly. It was aimed at the club for making that decision to bring someone in who hadn't been a manager for eight years, really. So it, it was kind of uh, criticism aimed at the club, really, wasn't it? I think at that time. Yeah, I just think it was a very strange appointment for somebody who'd been out of the game for so long. And and we all know as football people that the game changes every season. So the fact that he'd been out of the game for eight years, the game has massively changed since he was last in it. So, but he he was he got what he was brought in to do. He got it done. Um, so, like I say, I think now is a is a real critical time for him and his staff to then get together a list of players that he feel like. Um, is going to be able to probably overachieve next year because it's going to be a very, very tough season. And I was going to just ask you about that. I mean, the combination of of Mark Bowen, director of football, um, Paul Ince as manager, Alex Ray, assistant manager. We're not quite sure where Michael Jilks is going to fit in. Um, Michaeli Ledger would as well. We're, we're not quite sure about that. But in terms of that combination of Paul Ince as manager, Mark Bowen, director of football, do you think um, a lot of people see it as a step in the right direction, having a director of football and, and specifically with Mark Bowen as well? Um, and and you, you think it's going to be a tough season, do you, next season? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I think with the amount of players that are out of contract um, and the rebuild that it's got to, that's got to happen, depending on who stays and who leaves, um, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be because of the amount of money that, the, the football club are able to play pay in wages. Um, it's, it's still a desirable desirable football club. It's just outside of London, so a lot of players who possibly aren't playing for the Premier League London clubs might look at that as a as an alternative. Um, yeah, it's, it's a, easy to get to. It's a nice place to live. So it, the training ground's lovely. The the stadium's a lovely place to play. So there's a lot a lot going for it. It just needs direction, and and that's why. Getting the appointment of Paul Ince, getting the appointment of Mark Bowen in really, like really early on in in the off season, is uh, is a big step in the right direction. All right, and let, let's talk about your time at, at Reading and growing up in Reading. I think um, you you grew up in Tyrlurst, didn't you? Yeah. Um, and when was your uh, when was your first experience of um, being a Reading fan, going to a game? Can you remember when that was and what game it was and that sort of thing? Yeah, I, I used to, well, because I was in the academy from from the age of nine. Um, used to go to Elm Park all the time. Had a season ticket in what was the East Stand, I think, at the time, where the, the sort of director's area and that was the tunnel area, the dugout side was. Um, but really wanted to be over the other side with the, the rowdy lot. So that was, that was sort of my aim, uh, to get to the games a little bit later and just sort of walk around. Um, used to love going and watching players like Carla Saba and places, people like that was like just Nicky Hammond was in goal at the time. And, you know, I remember going to Elm Park and I think played, I think it was Swansea or someone like that in there in a cup game and, and Nicky Hammond saved the penalty in the last minutes and it was that extra time. And I remember my mum having to come and, Picked me up, but because it went to extra time, she told me I had to get the bus home. So, uh, 
so yeah, I mean, that, they were the sort of early days of Reading, and then when they moved into um, the Modeski or the Select Carly Stadium now, as it is, um, yeah, it, I remember going there the first day and Luton first game, I think was it. Um, yeah. you know, seats weren't even in place at the before before the gates opened. There were still people putting seats in when uh, when we all turned up. It was just a big a big thing to go there and and be a part of the the first day at the at the stadium. And you started playing at, at Reading, came up through the youth ranks, of, of course. Um, what was that experience like at that time for you, actually getting that opportunity to to play for Reading at, at that young age? And then also, did you kind of, was it your ambition? Were you determined that you were going to get into the first team at, at some point? Yeah, I mean, I was, I was really lucky because I got... Um, Playing Sunday League football for my local side, Westwood Wanderers, and I was able, I was playing up a a year, and uh, Kevin Dillon's twin sons were playing in the same. They were my age, but playing a year a uh, year above as well. So, and I think Kevin was under nineteen or reserve team manager at the time, and I remember he just said like, "Come down to the the football club and have a trial and see what you think. If you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't." And that was. You know, I was there from the age of nine all the way through to to eighteen, I think twenty, something like that. So you know, I basically never left. And from the, the day I walked in um, at Sonning uh, Cricket and Hockey Club when we used to train up there, um, you know, I just sort of had my set sight, uh, my sight set on becoming a professional footballer. Um, nothing would deter me from. From that, and I didn't think I was ever not going to be a professional footballer. I went through school being probably one of the best players of of my my year group. Uh, always played up levels in school years, um, and just loved it. You know, I was just a, a boy making his dreams come true. And then the one time you sort of really get to grips with it is when you sign the the scholarship forms and you you say that you know you've left school now it's now it's your job um and then once it's your job it's now down to how hard you want to work and how persistent you want to be and how much you strive to be the next best thing and all that sort of stuff um and i just loved it i loved going in every day i loved being a part of it i loved you know training every day making sure that we were ready, prepared for, for the game at the weekend. And then it was how quickly can you set your sights on the first team? Um, because I remember my first season in, uh, Brendan Rodgers was our youth team manager at the time and, and we had to set out, um, it was like a card and he laminated it. It was, uh, you had to set up like four or five goals of what you wanted to achieve this season. You know, strikers would be how many goals you wanted to score, um, defenders how many clean sheets you want to get, that sort of thing. Mine was, mine was uh, play a first team game, get, get a professional contract. You know, like be play a certain amount of games. You know, travel with the first team. Mine was all geared up to be in and around the first team. Mine wasn't about how many goals I would score. Because I, I never really looked at my success as, as that. I've always looked at it as, well, how can I achieve and get to where I wanted to get to? So I, I already had that ambition from from day one, really. Uh, and Johnny, 
come in now and uh, take take over. And obviously, you know, it goes back a long way, Simon's association with Reading, doesn't it? But uh, we're now into the realms of becoming a first-team player. So I'll let you take over from here. Yeah. And uh, Eamon Dolan, Simon, how special was he to, to work with? Um, what did you learn from him as a player and as a person? That Yeah, I, I, I learned so much more of what uh, a good person was um, because he was all about good people. He wasn't, yeah. he wasn't interested about egos. He wasn't interested about, you know, we're all good players. It was just how, how much of a good person you are. And, and he was all about getting people into the first team. So it was, you'd forever hear him every day saying, but Steve Copple wouldn't like you to do that. So don't do that. Or, he doesn't like those kind of people. So don't be that person. And, and it was all geared up for you to be the right person for Reading Football Club and for the first team, for the manager. So you, I, I took so much from him. And, and to be fair, whenever I've coached kids and stuff like that now, it's not about how good technically it, it, you are. It's what kind of person you are. And you have to be a good person. You have to be a good teammate. Yeah, okay, you know, everybody wants to win, everybody wants to play, but if you're a good person, a good teammate, you've you've got half a chance already. Yeah. And when you made your debut as a local lad playing for Reading, I think it was Luton away, I think. What yeah, was Luton that home. like? Luton at home, sorry. Yeah. What was that like? Just to... I do you know what? I got the I got the call on the because it was a Tuesday night, so it must have been Monday and it was like you're gonna you're going to be in the, the squad for the game on Tuesday. So I was like, oh, okay. Didn't sleep a wink that night. Um, you get, I got to the game like ridiculously early. You got to be in the dressing room for like 6.30 or whatever. Probably got there about 5.30. So I was like, right, I was in. And then like, didn't really know what I was doing. Sort of sat down in the dressing room, waiting for the the team to get put up on the tactics board, then the subs and, and, wanted to know whether obviously I was going to be in it or not. Um, then I was on the bench and I was like, right, this would be lovely. Hoping that we would like two, three, four nil up and then you get a good decent amount of time. Yeah. Going for the warm up, up and down the line a few times. Loved it. Like just to be a part of that was, was brilliant. And then, uh, and then with like, I think it was about 10, 15 minutes to go or so I got a chance to come on. And honestly, it's the biggest blur in my mind you've, you've ever seen because all I remember is giving away about four fouls. Like I was just so, I was just such a like rabbit in the headlights. I was just going, running after the ball, so eager to impress. Gave away, I probably should have been booked and sent off. <laughs> um, but no, it was it was just such an amazing time. Not you know, not just for me, like for my family because they were all there and all of that. It was just uh, it was just amazing to to sort of play a part in that. And when you come into a team fighting about changing room as a young lad, how do they make you feel welcome? And did you know kind of a lot of first team players anyway, or is it like, oh, geez, help? <laughs> no, it was, yeah, I, uh, I, I've been obviously, I train with a first team every day. Um, so I knew everybody and I knew what it was. And you would be at the games, the home games, every, every home game in the dressing room around it. So I, I was sort of, in and around that situation anyway so it was good um but nothing can nothing can uh can get you ready for being 
the first time in the dressing room and and getting yourself ready and yeah, back in the day, the smell of like deep heat and everything else. Like lads, you just the thing is you, you're at a loss. You're at, you're at a bit of a crossroads. You don't know what to do because you you think I, I would be gearing up for a game on a on a Saturday morning or something, and and you know exactly what to do. This is the first team. This is you just you've got no idea what to do. So you just sort of sit and wait for someone to say, "Already oh, we're going out," or you know go stretch or do so you just sort of sit and sit on your hands and hopefully someone tells you what's going to happen in the next two minutes or something. <laughs> and then like when when you you know so you had a couple of, you scored in um Asia wasn't it when the Peace Cup I yep. think yeah first goal and that wasn't the home game but again your first goal for the first team how was yeah. that brilliant loved it I, like, I, I, do you know what actually it's funny enough I was going for my phone um couple of days ago and I came across those photos not not of the goal or anything else like that I took videos of like the stadiums and like the dressing rooms and all that sort of stuff because I mean I was what 17 or so at the time and I had absolutely no idea what my career was going to look like at that point so I thought if I'm going to go if I'm never going to make it as a as a footballer at least I've like enjoyed this trip and everything else yeah um so I came across those photos but to to play against like River Plate and Leon, and and then all of a sudden, you, I mean, I remember I played right wing that day. I played in front of Mertz, and um, yeah, I just sort of again a, a bit of a blur. But I, I obviously remember the goal. It sort of cut in and hit it with my left foot into into the corner. So, but for some reason, it didn't really register with me like how how significant it would be for me or. or or anything like that. I just sort of took it in my stride all the way through. And it was, uh, but I loved it, you know, to be, to be given that opportunity to go and play in that, in that arena as well was lovely. I think it's still yeah. one of the biggest stadiums I think I've played in, or it felt like one of the biggest stadiums when I was 17 anyway. Yeah. And then uh, Simon, you, you obviously were at Reading first time round um, the 106 season. You mentioned Graham there. Um, what was that like just to be part of the club during that time? Such a special time to be a Reading fan. And then, you know, the following season, finishing eighth in the Premier League. Um, just an incredible time to be a Reading fan. And it must have been a similar sort of feeling being a player at that time as well. Yeah, absolutely. To to come in for pre-season and go off on uh, on tour and and the staff and everybody else set out their ways of how we're going to do well this year. And, and the players, the, the the biggest thing I think I took from that whole season is how much the players backed each other and, and they believed in each other and no one deterred from the game plan of being successful. And that's, I think that's the biggest thing is that if, you know, if Glenn Little wasn't playing, John Oster would play it and they would do exactly the same job as what the person in front of them did. You know, if Marcus hadn't played and Feds played or whoever was in second choice, you knew that they had absolutely every confidence in, in the player behind them. So that was the biggest thing for me. And, and being around that every day, seeing that the, the nature and the, the willingness to win in training, whether it be possession, whether it be small-sided games, whether it be 
you know, two touch, whatever it is, that was the biggest thing I think I felt. Um, and that's what propelled the group um, to be successful. And and then you go into the first game, Plymouth at home and, and you get beat. And then you think, oh no, it's all going, it's all going wrong. Um, but then, you know, you move on, you get, you get your first win and then you get your cup games and then you start winning games of football. And then all of a sudden it started to be a case of, no, it didn't feel like you'd ever get beat. Um, and that's so rare in football, unless you're sort of the top teams, but it's so very rare in football. And then to go and do something that's, you know, be very, very hard for somebody to beat, um, especially in this day and age, I think. Um, and because I, I always remember seeing tweets at the end of the season of when people tally up points towards the end of the season and they go, oh, no, still not going to be beaten. So, <laughs> Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And then the, that um, first season in the, in the Premier League, um, <clears throat> I was lucky enough, actually. I, I lived in um, Dubai at the time. And um, we used to get all the Premier League games. You can, you can literally watch every, every game. So I watched a lot of Reading games, but from Dubai. And it was just... Um, you just always really, really looked forward to watching the next Reading game and just what a season. I mean, what, what was that like that season in the first season ever in the Premier League uh, as a player for you personally to, to be involved? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, listen, to the fact that you got the opportunity to to be a part of then like the first ever season in the Premier League, you could feel the buzz around the place. You, you know, all things then ended up being shiny and new again and um, new players coming in. Not not loads, because I think Steve was more interested in keeping the group together uh, and rewarding the lads who had got them into the into the Premier League. He didn't want to over, overhaul the squad with, you know, 10, 11 players. He was like, no, these lads have done really well for me. There's loyalty there. So I'll, uh, I'll reward them. We brought in, I think, three or four, maybe. Um, so that was, that was interesting. Um, but just sort of turning up for the games, you know, United at home, Arsenal at home, even, I mean, I didn't go to many away games unless I was part of the squad, but ultimately just being a part of the games and stuff, you could feel the buzz around the place. And, and to be honest, I don't think it would have mattered really how well or how badly the club would have done that season. I think it was purely and simply a real good um, good buzz around the football club that they got there and they were able to see the what it takes to get there and what it's like up there. And, and then all of a sudden there would have been something to aim for next season, like the season after. But the fact that they finished eight, it was just something I don't think many many people would have ever dreamed of, but let alone probably happen again uh, and one of actually one of the games I remember really well from that season was the um the FA Cup game I think wasn't it against Man United yeah 3-0 down after about 10 minutes and then coming back and yeah ne- nearly coming back to, to three all um but um 
yeah, obviously you you then went away. You you did you obviously in your first spell at Reading, you you did break into the first team, but um, didn't get many opportunities. Um, so you, you went away and obviously went on to play for Ireland as well. What was what was that feeling like of you know being at Reading for so long and and then did you feel that you you had to get away or you know what what were your emotions like what was that experience like of, of leaving Reading after all that time? Yeah, well, I, I sort of knew that. I think the writing was on the wall a little bit when we we're in the Premier League. It was you had. Leroy, you had Dave Kitson, you've got Shane, you've got Kevin Doyle, you've got all these players in front of you that are, you know, have played like a lot more games than I had, scored a lot more goals than I had. Um, and Steve was all about loyalty. So it, it was never really going to be about, oh, I need to give this young lad a, a chance. It was, well, my job's on the line, so I need to get as many points as I possibly can. So I, I understood that. I knew that. I had chats with him about it. Um, and for me to try and get myself a career in football, I had to leave. I knew that. Um, had a few loan spells before leaving permanently. And one of them was obviously to Swindon on, on loan. And it was down the road for me and I was scoring goals. So it made sense to make the move permanent and uh, and try and make myself a career. And, you know, that was the sort of platform really for me to go on and and, and have the career I did have. And Johnny, do you want to come back in now? Yeah. So the, the opportunity to come back to Reading, Simon, how did that materialise? And was it an easy decision coming back from, you know, or was it like, or should I go back there in the good times that you had? Yeah, no, it was. It was a very easy decision to make. Um, it was, I, I was surplus to requirements at Forest and uh, they wanted me to go one place. And then as soon as I heard of the interest of Reading, I was like, well, I'm not going anywhere else. Um, I'm, I'm going to go back. And it was it was interesting because it, it feels, it actually felt like it, it was a new club for me because it wasn't the same as what I'd left. Yeah. And I remember the first game was, my first game back was away at Wigan. And then the next game I had was at home to Huddersfield and I think it was in the cup and uh, and I scored a goal in that game. So that was my first ever goal for the first team. So it, it kind of felt like I left as a kid but came back as an adult and, yeah. um, and I left as a first team squad member but I came back as a, as a senior player. So I had different feelings, different emotions of it, but it was... It was you know, probably the best decision, well, one of the best decisions I made coming back and being part of the football club and actually showcasing um, and being a part of what uh, the football club sort of stands for, really. And did you notice much difference, you know, you know where the club is now? Did you see behind the scenes difference, you know, compared to where we were, well, eight, nine years before? Did you see things have changed? Maybe yeah, not you can- the good. Yeah, yeah, you could tell. Yeah, you could tell. Uh, you could tell things had changed. Obviously, um, I mean, Anton Zingarovich is obviously, you know, not well thought of around the the Reading area. So, um, but you've been in the Premier League in 2012, 2011, 2012 season, get promoted from that into the Premier League 2013, get relegated, um, have people on 
massive contracts again and um, need to get rid of people on those big contracts. Otherwise, the club is in in big trouble. Need to sell people. Sold, obviously, Sean Morrison, sold uh, Alex McCarthy, sold Alan Fondra. You know, sold your big players pretty much of, of the club. Um, and then it, it became a, a case of it's going to have to be the young lads. Um, you know, some of the young lads at the time had, had only really played under 23s football. They hadn't yeah. stepped out on the first team pitch. So it was a case of just trying to get as many of them up to speed and up to a level as you possibly could do. And, and Nigel was, was da- uh, tasked with, you know, with that. Um, and it was a tough one because he yeah. needed help. He needed help and he, and he didn't get it. Um, although, you know, I felt he did okay. Um, but what happens when you have the younger players in there, you get inconsistency in performances and inconsistency in results. And that's, uh, and that's where he needed the help for a few, few extra senior players and he, and he wasn't able to get them in. So it was a tough one, but it was a big, big difference of what I left to, to what I, I walked back into. Was it weird being the senior player now, your, your old club going on? I was a kid then. Yeah, it was. It was. It was really strange because from being the kid who looked up to the senior players and wanted them to, as the as a young kid, you wanted them the senior players to guide you in what was right, what was wrong, what's good, what's bad, that sort of thing. And then all of a sudden, you come back as a senior player, and then you're the one having to say, "Don't do that. Do this." <laughs> <laughs> so it was all a little bit strange, but. It was great, uh, you know. I loved it. I enjoyed being back, but you know, it was a bit of a, it was a big difference. And Simon, that um, FA Cup run, what was that like? Yeah, really good. Like, re- really, really good actually, because it was one of those times where we we were doing okay in the league. We weren't really pulling up any trees, and we were sort of floating around, sort of mid table. But we knew that the um, the FA Cup run was was something that we could try and do something a bit special, more so get to the final if we could. Um, and obviously you get drawn, which we obviously saw as a favourable draw against uh, against Bradford, but we knew that they'd obviously beat a lot of teams on the way to, to get into the quarterfinals. So um, we... Listen, I, I'm not his biggest fan, but Steve Clark was was brilliant that week leading up to the uh, leading up to the Bradford game because when I mean it was it was Hogwood at the time, but you you can't replicate what Bradford's pitch was going to be like. But he somehow created um, it, it wasn't a big big pitch, but he created the the bubbles and he created the the puddles and everything else and the divots. He, he somehow created it with just cones and and little bits and bobs that are knocking about um that put us then in the in the frame of mind and the mindset of what we were probably going to come up against um we go there nil nil and that was that was probably it then that was t- probably tied done bring them back to the stadium and then and obviously i think what was it three or four in the end so that was the the biggest thing i took from that that the, the, we were able to get to there and then and then obviously the, the semi-final is a little bit different. The semi-final at Wembley against Arsenal, a one-nil down, which is, you know, that that's fine. But you just hope that then it's not a, you know, a bit of a mauling and a bit of a slapping. But actually the lads done really well. 
and then it was uh, yeah, obviously G Mac coming on and and oh, got coming on coming up, up with some goods and and getting a goal, and then it's one each, and you think oh. You know, can we take it to extra time and penalties, or can we nick one? And you know, as it was, it was um, it was it fell flat a little bit, but it was just a really good you know to be a part of a, an FA Cup semi final and then follow it up the season after under Brian with an FA Cup quarter final against Palace. So the FA Cup seemed to be pretty good to us uh, when I was back there. Uh, and then obviously, you know, I mentioned you you played for Ireland. Um... You know, make make quite a, a lot of appearances for Ireland. What was that experience like? Uh, yeah, I mean, I had always tried to qualify for Ireland uh, to play for Ireland uh, ever since Brendan was um, my uh, manager at Reading at the uh, younger age groups, and he, yeah, he was brilliant in that. Never really got a call. So didn't really expect it. Uh, then obviously, like I say, I had to go on my, my journey as a player, never really got a chance. And then all of a sudden you get your opportunity, 2011, that um, you're going to get a call up for what is called the Carlin Nations Cup. Um, and I had booked my holidays. I, I, and I was, I was gone. I was, off to, I was off on holiday pretty much at the end of the season. But then I got a call to say, you come in uh, and being a part of the squad. I was just expecting to go and be around it, not play, just sort of an introduction to what it would be like as a as an international. Got a chance to play in the first game. Northern Ireland scored on my debut, which was brilliant um, at the Aviva, which was incredible. And then uh, drew one each with Scotland, ended up winning the Carlin Nations Cup. And then we go on to play in a, qualifier after that and a, and a game against Italy which are scoring as well so you know in the, for somebody who was going away who thought he was going away to be a part of it ends up scoring two goals and and now actually feels a bit of a part of it so but then to get to like later on down the line next the, the year after and then get called up and and be part of the the squad that goes and qualifies for the Euros in 2012 and playing all three games of that it was just such an incredible time uh, and then you went on to play out in Sydney, and I think you were out in Sydney until October, was it? October yeah. just gone. Um, what you know? How did that come about, and what was that experience like for you? So when I was at South End, and we we ended up staying up on the last day of the season, I, I had a call about two or three weeks before that to say that a, a club in Australia were were keen on taking me out there, and I was a little bit like too far away that. I can't commute there. Um, and then I sort of sat down and I had a year left of, uh, of my contract at Southend as well. So, uh, and they don't genuinely buy anybody from over there, similar to like the MLS. They don't sort of pay transfer fees for anybody. So it was either going to be, I was let out of my contract at Southend or, or as I was going to have to run my contract down for the year and then go out there. Um, I sat down with my family and I was like, you know, what what do you think? And my wife is um she's a banker up in London, so she wasn't leaving London to go to Sydney. So it was like, well, if I go, I'm gonna have to go on my own. Um which I didn't mind, but obviously being away from family is a bit tough. So um I go to the next season with South End and 
get to around about Christmas time and Sol Campbell then says, you you know, you're not part of it anymore. Uh, we're going to let you go. And, and I was like, fine, no problem. So I phoned the agent at the time and I said, um, is the Australia thing, I just want to get out of here now. And, um, and he said, yeah, absolutely. So probably the time I got told I was leaving Southend to about two weeks later, I was in Sydney. So uh, <laughs> from one beach to the next. <laughs> you played against Feds as well, didn't you? And the fond- played against fond- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, are you over that? Yeah, yeah. that must be a bit surreal. You're out playing all against your ex teammate, like yeah, no, it was good. Like, but the thing is, over there now, like obviously Mariapa's over there, who's obviously played at Redden as well. So there, there's a few lads in that over there. Jordan Much is over there as well. Yeah, you know, so a lot of players in that that have played in, you know, in good levels of 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 football in the UK and now sort of heading over there because one, their lifestyle is really good. It's like, it's, and and the level of football actually is, is pretty good as well. So it's yeah. not a, it isn't a place where people go and retire anymore. It's like the level is actually pretty high. So you go over and I wasn't overly aware of that when I went there because I thought I watched a couple of games on the telly and, and I just thought, not sure about this. So what if I walked into? <laughs> got there and actually, it was it was a lot higher than I thought it was going to be. Then obviously you you then put into the equation the heat and the humidity of of playing, even though you play at night. I mean, it just uh, it becomes a tough ask. But it's uh, listen, it's a it's a great place, and I would I would actually, if I'd have had the opportunity to go there in hindsight, if I had the opportunity to go there in two or three years before I did, I would have loved it. I would have gone out yeah. there and, and enjoyed it even more. I think. When, when you... Just final question. Simon, um, I read somewhere that you, you know, you're you're in the process. You're you're quite keen to to get into coaching and management. What what are your sort of ambitions in that area? Uh, well, I've I've done my A license. I've done that. Um, and when I was out in Sydney, I did a master's as well in football business and management because I I felt like for the eighteen months I was out there, I might as well not let it pass me by I'll, I'll never get this time uh never get this time back so I thought I might as well use it to to good effect so I did that um so yeah I'm now I'm now just looking for a role really um I know in football it's sometimes who you know more it is to what you know but what I've found out in football sometimes is that everybody says that they'll help you out and when you when it tends to be that that point of the time where you pick up the phone to them and they go, oh, no, you know, not right now. I can't really fit you in. So I'm sort of feeling that at the minute. Um, but I'm sure something will happen. You know, I'm picking up the phone to people and speaking to people regularly enough that if if roles do come up, then then I'm available to do so. Listen, one day I'd love to come and manage Reading Football Club. That was, that was one of my biggest ambitions. When I went back there, I said it to my wife, about two summers ago, I said, like, one day, one day I'll manage that football club. Um, because I felt like, imagine, like, from a ego point of view, imagine coming, the, the lad who comes from Tyler, who goes all the way through the system, leaves, comes back, all that, and then ends up managing the club. I think it would just be a lovely story. But I'm not going to get the job on just it being a nice story. I know that. That's a bit good to aim for, though, isn't it? John, John, <laughs> Johnny, go on, last question. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, so, you know, when you're having to travel around, you know, loans, going overseas, then having to make the decision to retire, the impact of that on your mental health as a player, how, how does that get 
how do you cope with it, or is it a real struggle? It, it obviously, I was pretty lucky because my loans were were relatively local. My loans were Brentford, Northampton, and and Swindon. So, from a lad from Tyler's, and I was still living at home, and and then moved in with my missus at the time, who was living in Bracknell. So, um, getting to where I needed to be wasn't an issue. Um, the players who go further afield of a younger age, they're the people I worry about because it yeah. could possibly be for a lot of people their first time away from home. They don't know the area that they're moving to. They don't know how to cook. They don't know how to clean. They don't know, you know, how some of them don't know the cities they're moving to. And this is where the issue is where that's where boredom comes into it. So boredom comes you know, it, it hits people in, in so many different ways yeah. that you could easily t- turn to drink, you can turn to gambling, you know, all of a sudden that's you in a in a whirlwind of trouble because you go to training in the morning, your head's not right, you go back to your apartment, you sit on your laptop or you go to the bookies or whatever it is, and then you lose all your money and then all of a sudden you're not in the same you're not in the right frame of mind. I think clubs need to do a great deal a lot more for their loan players. It's all well and good having a loan manager, but it's not enough to just pick up the phone and go, how are you? Um, You need to do so much more for for the players. Um, I was, like I say, I was pretty lucky. When I went to Sydney, I had a really good supportive family around me to go out there. So it was fine for me. Um, Yeah, yeah, there were really a lot of times I struggled out there, but I had a good network of people over there. I then end up having a couple of roommates, which we were in similar situations uh, because of the pandemic as well. Their families weren't able to travel and, and we sort of moved in together and went through the same thing together. I My missus had a baby while I was over there. So I had that to deal with. The yeah. lad I was rooming with, his wife went through the same thing again two or three weeks before my wife went through it. So again, we, we sort of, we had our network of support to, together. So that was fine. It's a big, big thing for, for young players, I think more so, but for me, while I was playing, I was fine. Um, actually, I probably struggled a lot more since I've retired because okay. you, just, you, because you just don't know what's next. Um, yeah. And uh, what, when I said, I, you know, I want to get into coaching and everything else. That's great. You know, I, I want to do that. That's my absolute dream. Absolute goal. I want to do that. Um, but when you don't know when the next opportunity is going to come and where that opportunity is going to be, it's it's daunting. And then obviously it puts a strain on your family, your finances, all that sort of thing. And it yeah. becomes a bit of an issue at home. So you have to try and put in place practices and, and make sure that you, you know, you do, you don't sort of sit in your house. You don't sit in the four walls of your house and, and stare at the same four walls because it can be, a horrible, horrible place. Yeah. All right. Nice, so, thank you. Well, um, just a reminder that on tomorrow's episode, our guest is Tom Williams from Proud Royals. And then on Friday's episode, we'll be previewing the Legends game on Saturday. And uh, maybe Simon Cox will be making an appearance in that. And who knows, scoring a goal as well. Possibly. <laughs> so that's it for tonight. Thank you for listening. And a huge thank you to Simon for being our guest. So been great to have you on, Simon. Thank you. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Sports Social Podcast Network. 
step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.